a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We're taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open right now. You can also text us your question at 57500. Tom, the next listener would like to know, they say most of their vegetable gardens in full sunlight, but they have one row that's shaded, and they want to plant onions or sweet peas there. They want to know what you think and what else you would recommend for that partially shaded area. Vegetables need about six hours of sunlight. And so if that area gets that, then the sweet peas would be okay. But if it's in too much shade, then it they probably will struggle. I've tried a couple of times to plant cool season crops in an under shade mm-hmm. trees. And I think that the shade was just too dense. And so not knowing how shady it is, I can't really say yes or no. But they're best off with five or six hours of sun a day. Yeah, so tomatoes would not be a good option in that. Uh, tomatoes, again, the six hours of sun, the tomatoes would be okay, but probably more productive in a sunnier area. Mm, and are, is there anything that will do well in kind of a more shady area? Well, as far as vegetable crops, I don't know of any. There are some small fruit, uh, the currant bushes and gooseberry bushes. Both do well in semi-shade. Mm-hmm. So if they're on an east exposure or something, they do quite fine. Uh, next listener would like to know, when do you prune nectarine trees? Nectarines are just fuzzless peaches. And the time for those and other stone fruits is in mid-March. Uh, next listener says, is it too early to prune trees in the Cache Valley? It is a little early. Cache Valley is at least two weeks behind the Wasatch Front on the pruning. And so for mid-February, for apples and pears, that generally goes until early March in Cache County. And then any stone fruits would be more late March to early April. Hmm. Next listener wants to know, are apricot trees self-pollinating? Generally, yes. There are a few out there that are not. But there's enough apricot trees, especially in urban areas or suburban areas, that it's not a problem. How much room do you need to plant like an apricot tree? Apricot trees of the fruit trees are larger. They get big by big, and so they can get up to 30, 35 feet, unless you know they've been grafted onto a dwarfing rootstock. And so a lot of people make big mistakes by pruning them so that they clean all the branching out in the lower part of the tree and then the tree gets tall and all the fruits 15 to 20 (laughs) feet in the air. It's weird. And there there isn't a ladder tall enough that you feel safe 
climbing up there to actually get them out. I mean, there are orchard ladders, but they're extremely difficult to find and can cost $300 for an orchard ladder. And by that time, that buys a lot of apricots. And so if you have an apricot tree, I would really look into looking at pruning videos, attending pruning seminars put on like Conservation Garden Park, extension services, maybe even local nurseries. South end of Utah County, the Rollies that own Cherry Hill Farms are doing pruning seminars. Riley's have done them in the past. So there's lots of places to do this, but learn to prune, especially apricots or else you'll 15 years down the road, you'll have a really productive tree and not be able to easily harvest the fruit. When we first put put in our yard, and if we're talking 30 years ago now, uh, we had put in like a dwarf apricot, but it didn't live very long. They, a lot of the orchard growers like vigorous trees, especially in peaches. And I could see this reasoning for apricots. And the theory is, is that if you stay on top of your pruning, you can have a more vigorous tree. And yes, you're going to have to prune it more, but if it gets winter injury, it's going to be more likely to recover more quickly. And one thing I've seen with dwarfing rootstocks in the stone fruits is that if they encounter difficult situations, you know, a super cold winter, lack of water, whatever it is, that those dwarfing rootstocks are ones that are less likely to recover from that. I know in my work, um, I've been peripherally participating in rootstock trialing with peaches and then now tart cherries. And there were a couple of rootstocks I was really excited about called Controller 1 and Controller 5 and because they were more dwarfing and so it would be easier to prune them. They might be more friendly to homeowners. But one thing we noticed is that even though they're supposed to be cold hardy, that almost all of them died in the trial. So, Ooh, so something to be aware of when you buy a dwarf fruit tree. Then. Especially, well, and it's more for, I would say, peaches, apricots, and other, even like cherries, even the dwarfing rootstocks. I don't see that as much in cherries. Mm. It's more specific to maybe apricots and peaches than in apples. And this goes for other fruit. If you, they produce a large fruit, if you buy a dwarfing rootstock, and I'm differentiating from semi-dwarf because that's what most of our trees are. If it's truly dwarfing, and let's say you buy an apple that only gets 10 to 15 feet tall, then you're probably going to need to put a stake in the ground, like a 10-foot T-post, and wire that trunk, being careful not to damage you know things within a couple inches of the trunk or maybe even six inches off. And you're going to have to keep that tree staked because the fruit load can snap the trunk because of the dwarfing nature of the rootstock. Right. Well, and you just have to be prepared too with fruit trees really to, you're going to have to, it's, it's a long-term relationship. It is. And it's not something that you plant them for the shade and they happen to have fruit. It's more something that, It's like almost buying a pet to where they need to be trained and you are growing them for fruit production and they do require maintenance. Now, you can maintain them organically very well and do a really good job and keep a lot of the pests out. 
but they need to be maintained. When I see people throw in fruit trees, they're like, oh, oh well, I'm just going to let it grow. Oh, it's me. I'd like an apricot tree. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. And, and sometimes like the apricots don't require as much spraying. But, you know, peaches require quite a bit of spraying. And again, you can do it organically. But if you don't do that, there's two things that happen. The trees die very early, but then your trees become a source of diseases and pests for the rest of the neighborhood that's trying to also grow fruit. And so you're kind of like the community disease center, not in a good way. You know, where things are spreading <laughs> Is it ever out a good from way your to be untreated trees. Community disease center. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And peach trees, too. You know, they have to be pruned properly or the branches break and they look oh, all weird. Well, I in one of my presentations uh, that I teach um, fruit production, the... Uh, the, some of the pictures I have are of these fruit trees that are improperly pruned. And people are pruning to like the open center system, which is fine. But then they prune all the branches to the top of the tree. And so all the new growth and all the fruit load is out at the edge of the branch. And if, you have, if you've ever held you know, a 5 or a 10-pound weight and hold your arm out to the side and just try to hold it, it's really hard. But if you move that in towards your body, that weight becomes easier to bear. And so on your fruit trees, leaving branching up the entire limb, or at least most of it, distributes that fruit weight out and you get a lot less branch breaking in the trees. And so it's just imperative that, and we'll talk about this in the nine o'clock hour, but it's imperative that you learn to maintain your trees. And it's a little bit hard at first because it can be a little overwhelming, but once you get it down, it's nothing you know, it's just like learning to drive a car. Once you've done it a few years, you're you're in and good, and it's just become second nature. Yeah, but it is about timing. It is. So USU does have pest fruit up fruit pest updates that you can subscribe to for free. And so if you just do a Google search of USU updates or USU fruit updates and subscription, it'll bring you right to the page. You can subscribe to fruit, vegetable, and other open, like uh, like yard and garden stuff in there. But they'll tell you down to the day when you need to spray, what you need to spray, give you organic options and conventional. So it takes all of the guesswork out for you. All right. Bart is on the line. He wants to talk apricots. Good morning, Bart. Good morning, folks. Hey, Tom. Stark Brothers has a apricot semi dwarf, and I have one. I've had it for several years. That the the pits the are edible pits. Yeah, you sweet know, pit. They're sweet, yeah, and it does really well if the frost don't get it. Yeah, do you remember the variety? I my parents had. My dad planted a couple of sweet pit apricots, and we grew up drying them, splitting them open, and eating them. As an extension employee, I'm not officially supposed to recommend them. Well, this was just but, Stark Brothers. I just went to Stark yeah. Brothers and got it. Okay. And it came, and it, it's a it's an excellent apricot. Now, a tip for that guy that had aphids really bad on a plum: mm-hmm. spray them in the fall after the leaves drop. And then spray them again in the spring with dormant oil. That knocked them out. I was using seven as an insecticide along with the dormant oil. All right, Bart. Good to hear from you. Thanks for being with us this morning. 
And the number to call with your questions. Oh, before we take a break, uh, last week you had given some information on a fruit tree class, and I think one of our texters is asking for that. Was it a fruit tree class? Look at me, it class with deer where, in the headlights. It says, "Where can you go to get to your class on fruit trees? Where can we go to your class on fruit trees?" Oh, uh, conservation conservation garden park offers some that are taught by extension, and then Utah, uh, Central Utah Water Conservancy District. You need to go to their website under education, and you can register there. Register there. I'm unsure if they're going to be online this year or live or both. Casey, I need to clarify with Casey. They're a horticulturist or one of them, but you can register at Central Utah Water Conservancy District. I knew we had talked about it. I'm like, okay, what did we tell people last week? Last week seems like... So long ago. Yeah, I was like ready to get out of the chair and run away. <laughs> that look on your what, face was like, what did I say? What okay. fruit tree class. But that's <laughs> right. the only one I know I'm teaching outside of the Master Gardener program. So Okay, number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for listening to the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. After we went to the break, Ton, remember that there was another class that we had been telling people about last week about pruning trees, fruit trees. Yes, Cherry Hill Farms down in Santa Quinn. Uh, Brett Rowley and um, there's a few others are going to be offering some pruning. And so this particular event cost $20 covering some costs and things. But when you can get on those orchards and they will detail it more toward homeowner pruning, mm-hmm. but both of them have both experience and education in growing fruit and you're not really going to find a better source. And so we posted a link on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page to that particular um, event. And the dates, I don't have them right in front of me, but I believe it was early March. But you can go to our Facebook page and get the links there. Or if you do a search on Utah and Cherry Hill Farms, you can access it from their website. Uh, a listener had a follow-up question about aphids. They said, for those aphids, can you do both the spray both spray the leaves and apply the systemic? They say they almost lost two trees last year to aphids. The systemic is the nuclear option, and you oftentimes don't actually see it in USU recommendations because of it being a neonicotinoid. But it can save the tree if you've had that many problems. And so I like BART's method of 
when the leaves drop in late fall, and that's when you start to get really heavy aphid loads on plums for some reason, do a dormant spray then. You can mix it with seven, as Bart mentioned, but then do the delayed dormant spray in the spring, and that would go after a lot of their eggs, but then you're going to need to monitor through the summer. And if you start seeing the deformed leaves that the aphids produce, then you may need to do some cleanup spray with a horticultural soap or something. But the systemic, if you go with that option, you need to find one registered for fruit trees, and then you let the finish, let the tree finish blossoming, then you go ahead and apply it. All right. Jerry is on the line in Holiday. Good morning, Jerry. What is your question? Yeah, I've got two questions. Uh, the first one, in years past, I uh, raised bare root fruit trees, and I wanted to plant a couple this year. I can't find any nursery that's going to be planning on selling bare root fruit trees this year. A lot of them reason. consider it a hassle just because you've got to keep the trees cool and in the sawdust. And and that may be, and I don't know because I'm not in the nursery business anymore, but it may be a little more profitable to do containerized. And so the only place I've really seen on the Wasatch front that sells bare root trees, and we can maybe have our listeners text in if they know of other locations, is actually at Costco. And they'll have peaches, apples, apricots, plums, and you you may want to talk to their managers, usually sometime in late March to early May, that those will show up. So Costco has them, and then up in the Brigham City area, there were a few of the stores up there that are open year-round on Fruitway up through Perry into Brigham City that do sell bare root trees, or at least they have in the past. And that's that's all the Costco stores, or just uh, everyone? I've only I only frequent the Orem and the Spanish Fork stores, but they've had them in the last several years, and then my brother has purchased them in the past from locations in Davis County. Okay, great. Uh, one more quick, real quick question. Um, every spring, you have your sale uh, where you have they put the yellow bags of dirt on sale on your program. When's that, when's that going to be, do you know? We have not heard from Biograss yet on that, and we're hoping to get some things booked, but that's uh, something that's, all best I can say is to be announced. Okay, well, thank you. That gives me all, all I right. need to know there. Thanks, Jerry, for your call this morning. I'm not sure we have time for this call, but a 15-year-old is texting, and they want to know, they want to plant their first garden, and they want to know how they should prepare the soil. If the soil had turf grass on it, it's probably okay as it is, but sometime in early to mid-April, as soon as they can work the soil, I'd put maybe an inch of compost in, and if they're only doing warm season crops, give it three or four weeks, and in early to mid-May, go ahead and plant the garden. Okay, what about if they just have just regular soil there right now? Uh, if it's just regular soil, same thing. If they can, if they can mix it, and it's probably frozen and wet, an inch to an inch and a half of compost in the spring, and a couple inches in the fall would be the best way to prepare it. I love to have those younger people uh, text us. That's awesome. Um, we're going to come back with more of your calls and questions when we come back at the top of the hour. What are we talking about at the top of the hour? Either raised beds or apples and pears pruning. I'm not sure. I didn't look at the agenda yet. Okay, we're talking about I'm, raised beds when raised we come beds. back, so you can look forward to that at the top of the hour. Then we'll have more of your calls and questions. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions, 57500, and find out more great information on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page.
A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.